Welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here, and um, we're uh, we're in our series, a Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And 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 if you remember um, uh, when we started this a couple weeks ago, we said that easily, easily, the Holy Spirit is the most neglected, most unknown member of the Trinity, right? And and so we've been talking about Him, and we're going to continue that this morning. Uh, but before we do, uh, I, I just want to say this: it almost feels like it was so long ago. Happy Thanksgiving! It was like a whole like th- what three days ago. Um, you probably have, maybe you've eaten since then, right? You probably, uh, anybody get tired of turkey? Like the first day is like, this is so good. And then it's like day three, like today, you're going to go home for lunch and be like, we got all these leftovers, but oh, more turkey. Uh, I love it. I personally, I'm just like, the kids are getting, I'm like taking bites of theirs and putting it back in. And like, I, I love, I love turkey. And uh, so I, Thanksgiving's great. It's, a, it's one of my favorite meals. Um, uh, so, but once Thanksgiving's over, this is, this is what I dread. Thanksgiving's over literally the next day. I, I don't know if you get this. I, uh, our family, we love, loves Christmas. My wife loves Christmas. And so like the next day, all right, it's time to decorate. Oh no, don't say it. Right. All the stuff comes down that we don't touch for a year. And we're like, we forget where they are. And then it's just like, here we go. And so we just spend all the time decorating and it's cold and it's just, it's wonderful. Um, this year, my, my, my neighbor's like, hey, I'm going all out more. You got more lights. So I'm like, you can't, I can't allow that to happen without. So I'm like, oh man, no, I got to do more than normal. So uh, it's just a, you know, uh, joy to the world. It's just joyous time. <laughs> Uh, but we love Christmas. We really do. Once it's done, it's like, oh, it's great. And uh, so Christmas, our Christmas series and Christmas Eve is coming up on your chair. You got this. This is our uh, starting next week. Uh, it's officially Christmas. We're in December. I guess it's Christmas now, but we officially start in December here, our Christmas series. We're calling, um, Do You See What I See? And, and what we're saying is, listen, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about the birth and celebrating the birth of Jesus, do you see it the way that I see it? And do you see, and, and do they see it how you see it? And, and, and how are, like, what are the different perspectives that we have about Christmas that, that we see in the scriptures? Like, for the birth of Jesus, people viewed it very differently. And they responded very differently. And 2,000 years later, we view it differently and respond differently. So we're going to be talking about that. And then on the red side is our Christmas Eve um, services. And, and last year, if you remember, we did a, what we call the Christmas Adam service. You remember that? Uh, because Adam came before Eve. <laughs> oh, this is total lame joke, but we're going to use it. We're going to run with it. Uh, so we're doing a Christmas Adam service for those who are like Christmas Eve is filled and you're, you know, you got family and you're trying to do meal and presents. Great. You can come Christmas Adam uh, the day before, free up Christmas Eve, still, uh, of course, attend and be a part of the experience um, and then free up seats for Christmas Eve for for those, you know, we, we, it's like a record attendance Christmas Eve. And so um, that, just, that's coming up. Get ready for that. And then there's three services Christmas Eve. So uh, if, uh, if, if, if there are people in your life that you know you want to invite to church, Christmas Eve is, 
Christmas Eve and Easter are easily the easiest times to invite where people are more likely to say yes. So use this to invite, invite them to the series. If not, just simply the Christmas Eve. But seriously, use this. Invite someone. Invite someone to church. So that's coming up. All right. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in your life. And, and listen, uh, whether you understand this to be true or not, this is a very divisive topic. And maybe you've experienced that when you've discussed the Holy Spirit or, or people that you know maybe in other denominations who believe differently. And you've, you've, some of us have gotten into some serious debates and arguments and discussions about this, about what we're talking about this morning. So I, I hope to do it justice and, and say like, here's the, here's, here's the whole issue and, and now you get to decide kind of how, where you land and how you interact with the Holy Spirit. And then we're gonna talk specifically about like, all right, so great. Theologically, here's kind of the umbrella of the camps that you can find yourself in, but like practically like, all right, but how do I hear from them? Like how, how do I hear from the Holy Spirit? How do I interact? How do I know it's Him? I'm going to answer that for you today, definitively and correctly, because I'm not wrong. No, I'm kidding. We're actually going to talk about that here in a minute. But I, I remember a few years ago, um, I remember um, uh, uh, when I became a Christian, uh, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so it was all new to me. And I remember first like hearing about the Holy Spirit and certainly reading about him and, and uh, no idea. I had no idea just the, the amount of differing views that people have about the Holy Spirit and what he does and how to interact with him. So I, I, was, totally, I was totally naive and ignorant to really the, the theology of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea that he could be this divisive. Um, and over time, as I've grown in my faith and certainly studied more and, and interacted with more people, like, wow, this topic is divisive. I remember just a few years ago being, uh, I was at a prayer gathering um, in, in Central Oregon here, and there's a bunch of people, a lot of pastors, um, that, a lot of pastors that I know in relationship, I'm friends with, and then uh, people from various churches at this thing. And I remember they, um, it ended with, hey, let's break off into groups and let's, let's, let's just pray for our city. Let's just pray for Central Oregon, like all of like Deschutes, like the whole region, right? Seems, that seems pretty innocent. We should be able to do that, Right? And we get in a group, and I remember a guy, I don't know his name, I, I didn't even meet him, but, um, and, and before we even start praying, he, he happened to be in the group with his pastor, so I'm in it, he's in it, a number of people are in it, and his pastor. And before we start, audibly, out loud, not to like quietly like you're supposed to when you're, you know, have a question that you know is gonna cause an issue, like you're, you know, out in front of all of us, he says this. He's a pastor to his pastor. How are we to pray with those who don't speak in tongues? And I'm like, what? Probably how you pray with anyone else. We start with, dear God, right? Like, this is what I tell my kids. They say, I, I could teach you. I'll teach you, right? Dear Jesus. And you got to fold your hands. That's my daughter was like, no, this is, fold your hands. You fold your hands. Fold your hands, right? And, and, but I was like taken back, like, what, is that really a thing? We can't pray with each other? 
And then he said, and this is, is on, these are honest, this isn't like antagonistic questions. He had honest, legitimate questions for his pastor um, at another church in town that you probably know. And, and he says, is it okay for us to be in a prayer group with people who believe differently than us? Oh, man, dude, you're like, every stab is going deeper. That, that, you know, because we don't fall in the same area with regard to the Holy Spirit, it somehow that hinders our ability to pray with each other. And then he said this, and then he, he asked these all in rapid fire, and I could see, and I know that his pastor really well, and I could see him just being like, stop it, man, like, not now. You know, you, you know that moment, right? You've probably, uh, like, you probably, got, if you're married, you probably had that a lot, right? With the spouse, like, not now. He says, can we pray in tongues with people who don't believe in tongues? And these were legitimate, he has honest, legitimate questions. It was a weird moment to bring them up, but, but it, I'm, I'm sitting there going, wow, this, this really is a thing for people. That because we believe differently about the Holy Spirit, that somehow uh, it puts up walls or fences or barriers. And, and I know in this church that we believe, like if we were to all put, like well, if in a second here, we'll look at our options, so to speak, and, and all of us might find a different spot where like, yeah, I'm, I lean towards this, I lean towards this, I lean towards this. I have no idea. I'm just here because, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the donuts. Like, I, all right, but, like, but all of us, like, we, for whatever reason, we love to disagree about this. And even in this church, and it's, it's okay that we don't all land in the same exact spot, but, but this can be divisive. I imagine there's stories that you probably know of or have been a part of where people get in discussions and then it becomes a little more heated and then it becomes a, a debate and then an argument and then a fight and then a, like it just progresses, right? So today we're going to continue our study of, of pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, um, we're going we're gonna to talk about it from a theological perspective and then a practical one. So the first thing that I think is important that we have to understand when we talk about the Holy Spirit is this, and this is true wherever you find yourself. What I believe about the Holy Spirit affects my life daily. This isn't just some theoretical, theological, like read that, that's for the theologians and seminarians and, and that's just like textbooks. That's like to, for those guys who like know like Hebrew and Greek, that's for them to debate. That's just simply not the case. What you believe about the Holy Spirit affects your life and your relationship with God. Listen, it affects your life daily. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you recognize it or not, it affects you. Your understanding of who he is and how he moves in the world and how he works in lives affects your life. It affects directly your experience and involvement with him. So this is a big deal, right? This is a member of the Trinity. This is, this is a person of the a personhood of God, of the Trinity of the God, the triune God. This is one of them. Wow. It's kind of a big deal on how we understand him. What you believe about the Holy Spirit 
matters. I imagine that for some of us, that if you don't feel close to God right now, it might be because you're limiting the Holy Spirit in your life. That we can point to all kinds of other things and all kinds of external factors and your circumstances and situations and these people are being rude to me and, and th- this is happening over here and everyone's just against me. And, and we can easily do that and say it's everyone else's fault and, and like there's nothing in me that's causing the problems or issues in my life, but it may well be. And it might not even have to be sin. It's not like I have some deep, dark sin. It might just simply be I'm not actually living and walking in step with the Holy Spirit. That my, I'm, I'm actually limiting his role in my life. And it's not, it's not sinful, like you're committing some sort of egregious sin. You're just simply, ready? Neglecting him. You're just not thinking about it. You're just not praying or pursuing or seeking him. So there are generally, let's talk about this. There are generally, theologically, three positions to take on this issue. Uh, there used to be two, and then recent, theology, recent kind of um, uh, development in this, in this theology uh, presents a third option. So here they are. Um, it's, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, what we're going to talk about, but it helps us at least understand sort of the, the range with regard to the theology of the Holy Spirit. So starting with the reformers and a lot with uh, John Calvin, he, um, he uh, certainly asserted what's often referred to as the cessationist view or cessationism. It's a big word, but it literally is just a, a meaning to cease. And so here's what, if you were following the cessationist camp, you believe that the, what are called, often called the sign gifts have ceased. They no longer happen. These would be miracles, signs and wonders, uh, healing, but sp- and specifically, tongues. That, that those things, prophecy, healing, they all ended with what's called the apostolic age. So the apostles uh, lived, of course, and then the early church fathers right after them, like people they had contact with. And then once, they say this, once the Bible was completed... All of these sign gifts now ceased because they were only necessary to develop this. Do you understand the view, right? So cessationists, they cease because they're no longer needed. We have, we have the Bible. And, and in a sense, they're right in that we have this. Yes, this is, we don't need extra. But to say then that it's all done, okay, you're, you're taking a position on the work of the Holy Spirit, how he works today, based on your understanding of theology, of pneumatology. Once the books of the Bible were written, these supernatural gifts were no longer needed because this is the perfect revelation of God, which it is. This, this camp includes many, many Reformed theologians, Reformed churches, um, maybe people in this room. It's wonderful, all right. Um, and, and also what are called, and we don't have time to get into this, but dispensationalists, which believe a, it's another theological persuasion. There's a whole bunch if you haven't noticed. Um, but these most, a lot of these people kind of resonate and lean towards cessationism, right? A high view of scripture, which of course we all should have, and that, that uh, 
an experience, and they would even go so far, some, and there's different camps within cessationism, but there are, there, are, there are some who would go so far as to say the Holy Spirit doesn't speak or move in any kind of new revelation in our life. It's only scripture. So when you say, like, I feel God told me to, no, he doesn't do that. He only speaks through this. Okay, you could see how that could affect someone's life and also be very divisive. So in response to this position, uh, another group said, no, 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 not only have they not ceased, um, we're not using them near enough. And this group became known as continuationists or continuationism. And, And they would say not that the sign gifts have ceased, but that they have continued from the early church and will continue to continue. There's a sentence structure for you. They will continue to continue until Jesus comes back. So they are for today. They are active today. They should be used, and not using them is neglecting an entire area of your spiritual life. They, they focus and they emphasize heavily on the work of the Spirit, specifically and especially signs and wonders, prophecy, tongues, and healing. This is a distinct a theological position that, uh, that, that arose in opposition to, you guessed it, cessationism, where they would say, no, 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 we are, we are polar opposites of that view. Today, this looks like there's a lot of uh, Pentecostals or charismatic uh, people or churches or denominations that would lean towards this, continuationism. And then there's people like farther than that, and, and the, it's, it's those people, like for, further to the right that we, that gives this kind of a, a bad name. Um, I've often heard them called like uh, those who those who do like just crazy weird stuff as crazies. You know them. You maybe attended a, one of their churches and said, nope, not for me. And, 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 like, and, and what can happen is you have that experience and your response is the pendulum swings all the way back over. I, I, oh, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable with this. I don't want to do any, I don't want to be close or near anything that resembles this, so I need to look like this. Ooh. So here's what, what we see have happened. These two are polar opposites of each other, and, and, and I'm sure that in this church we have people in, in either camp, right? And then there's a third view that arose that's championed by a guy named Robert Sosi, a just a great studied theologian um, happened, you know, a great guy happened. He happened to go to and teach at Biola, my school, just so happened to be there. Uh, I've, never, I've never met anyone from Biola that isn't incredible. Did you know that, by the way? <laughs> I bet you haven't either. So he champions this position called open but cautious. We could call this middle ground where he says like, hey, listen, I'm open to all these gifts. I, I think it's too far to say they've ceased, they don't happen. It's impossible for the Spirit to move in this way anymore. I can't go so far and say that. But I can't lean all the way into this continuationist where it's just uh, like 
almost, all, almost too much, and it's unverified, and it does, it, you lean too heavily on the personal experience of what's going on in this moment, and not enough on Scripture. And so the, he lands in this, I'm open to the gifts, of course, and genuine experiences of these gifts, but I'm cautious to say every instance Every instance of a tongue, every instance of a healing, every, those things you see on TV, I'm cautious to say all of that is genuine. All of that is real. Some of it might not be. And, and so for a long time, I, uh, I, uh, I found myself in that position, saying, hey, I'm open to it all. Like I, I, I believe God still moves how he did in the early church, and he still moves in all of these gifts. And you can, like, he still gifts people with these gifts. But I'm, I'm very much hesitant to say, like, well, because this happened, because of this experience, therefore God is saying, hold on, I don't know if everything is genuine. I say I used to be in that because I, I think I've... I've um, I know evolved is a, is a word you can't say in church, but I've evolved in this, I think. And I would, I would, uh, I would class my, my position as, um, as this. There's uh, a little red dot you'll see. This is my position. <laughs> no, in, in reality, my, my real position is, uh, is none of those, though it's close to open but cautious, I would, uh, I would say my current, like where I land now, not that this is authoritative, this, I'm just giving you insight into kind of like where I am, is I would say open and discerning. This is different because open, open but cautious almost says like, I want to keep it at arm's length. Hey, I'm, I'm open to it, but like, I don't know. This just seems weird. And that's usually the word you'll hear is weird. And, and, and I, I was that and probably still am a little bit of that, but, but I'm learning to keep my hand not as far away. That I'm actually leaning, I'm trying to lean more into the spirit to say, hey, I'm open. I'm not like cautious, like, ooh, I don't know, but more, okay, I want to be, is this really the Spirit? And I want to, like John says, test the Spirit. So I want to know, I want to be discerning. Does this seem genuine or not? So I'm at a, I'm at a place where my, my, like where I am theologically, um, and I'm totally comfortable with this, is changing over time because uh, the more I learn and experience, the more I, I realize, like this is true probably in life for you, like the more you learn, the more you don't know. Right? The more you learn, the more you realize, like, man, I, I thought, like, when I was in college, guys, I had everything figured out, all of it. If you had a question, I knew the I knew it, and I was right. And any, I, I would debate it, right? Uh, the further along I get, I realize, man, there, there's some things I'm sure of, but I, that, that thing, that number is becoming less and less, and I'm becoming more okay with unknown and questions, and, and not knowing definitively the answer to every single situation. I'm okay with that. So I, I, I fully believe the sign gifts continue and, and will continue, and I try to be very discerning as to what's real or not. Now, wherever you land on this issue, let's agree on a few things. As a church, even, because we have people all over that line. As a church, collectively, as a body, let's agree to this. 
our differences cannot lead us to infighting. This is not something we should be fighting over. Discussing, absolutely. Even a healthy debate of wonderful, right? Maybe you're in small groups and, and maybe you'll be discussing it this very week and, it, and you're already like dreading, oh man, you know, so-and-so is gonna be there and he's just gonna be a pit bull. I know it, I already know it, okay? And, and, and listen, and if, if you don't think that person's in your group, it might be you. <laughs> so here's, here's our agreement. We're not gonna fight over this. We'll discuss, we'll debate, we'll question, we'll look into this, absolutely. But this cannot, it cannot lead to fighting. The mission of Jesus is too critical for us to divide over this issue, over the Holy Spirit. The second thing is this, ready? And I admit this, I, I'm, I, this is true of me as, as well. This is, and I know this is true of you, having talked to many of you. We're probably all a little bit wrong. You're probably, wherever you land, whatever your understanding is, if you may have, I've studied this, I've read the books, I've read, I know Greek, I do it all. You're probably a little bit wrong. You're probably not fully perfect in your theology of the Holy Spirit, of who God is. Like there's some room for you to grow and understand and learn and move, and that's fine. That's great. It should be that way that we say, I'm willing to adjust instead of, I cannot be convinced. I am convinced of this no matter what. My camp is the right camp. And, and listen, and if heaven is filled with the other people, I'm going to have to rethink if I want to go there. <laughs> that is a crazy position to be. I know people like that. That we're probably all a little bit wrong. So let's admit there's a little mystery to this, right? Can we at least admit to that? That there, there is and should be some mystery to how God moves, to who he is, to what he's like. There's things certainly we can know, but there's things that God says like, this is for me to know. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. My, okay, Lord, Listen, there are some things that we just simply say, I don't know. I don't, this, is, this, this falls in the category of your ways, not my ways. Jesus talks about this in uh, probably one of the most famous, certainly the most famous verse in Scripture, but the most famous passage um, that, that, uh, that we see in Scripture is John chapter 3, right? We know John 3.16. We, we can probably quote it, at least most of it, even though you probably maybe haven't looked at it in a long time. You know it. You've heard it, right? Before we get to John 3.16, John 3.16 comes in a conversation Jesus is having with, uh, with a Pharisee, a guy named Nicodemus. Before he gets to that, before John 3.16, the famous verse, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit. In this same chapter, in fact, this is how it starts. It says this, now there was a, a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who's a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, all right, Jesus, it's clear you're from God. He says, because no one who does this, like the thing, no one can do this, the things that you're doing, no one can do that except for someone from God. So that's the setup. He brings this up to Jesus himself. He meets at night because he wants the cover of darkness. He doesn't want to be uh, found out by other Pharisees that he's meeting with this heretic Jesus. And it says this. 
Verse three, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is often why why Christians are referred to or described as born again Christians. Like, oh, well, because Jesus said it. So Jesus said you have to be born again. Nicodemus, in all his brilliance, in all his understanding, in all his wisdom, he says this, this is great. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. And then he says this. He's literally, he's literally thinking of birth, rebirth. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. <laughs> I mean, he's literally like Jesus. That's crazy. That can't possibly be. How, how can someone be born twice, especially as an adult? This doesn't make any sense. Jesus, of course, speaking at a whole other level than Nicodemus understands, he says this, very truly I tell you, not only do you have to be born again, but no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Now he talks about spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. He's like, you should know this. And then he says this, and here it is. This is where the the mystery lies. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He he mentions specifically now that, that like, you go outside and we try and predict the wind, like where's it coming from, where's it going, and, 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 and it changes at any moment. I don't know if you've experienced this last few days, there's been a lot of wind, right? And, and we kind of have an idea of like where it's gonna go, but we don't know when or how strong. It's just sort of, there is some mystery to, to wind. We know what causes it, but, but to be able to predict exactly like what's gonna happen, like in my backyard, the wind that's gonna come through, I, I, I don't know. I can see the signs of it. I see everything blowing and making a mess and I gotta rake all that up now. Thanks, wind. But like, where it's coming from, where it's going, I don't know. And Jesus says, hey, listen, for those who are born of the Spirit, it's actually a lot like that. Like, there is some mystery to this. And you, Nicodemus, you have to be okay with this mystery. And he's, not, he's talking not specifically, not, not just like the Holy Spirit it like is the wind, but he says those born of the Spirit, like believers, believers who have the Spirit in them, he says it's, it's like their lives are gonna be, ready? Characterized by unpredictability. There should be a level of unpredictability in your life because if you're living by the Spirit, not because like you're practicing, you know what, I just... I just love to be unpredictable. I love to be mysterious, right? Uh, I, I remember um, uh, when I was in the, maybe I'm sharing too much, when I was in the dating scene, like, you know, your date, right? There was something about the like, oh, she's so mysterious, right? Or like, oh man, he's, like what I love about him, he's just, there's just so much I don't know. And then like you grow up and realize that's the dumbest thing ever. Right, like to marry someone that you're like, oh, I just don't know much about you. So mysterious, right? I mean, that's that's cool in the beginning, and then it gets to a point you're, this is, this is impossible. You're impossible. And so it's not because like they're practicing 
How do I become mysterious? How do I become unpredictable? It's because the Spirit is unpredictable. And if he's moving in their life and they're obeying, listen, that you don't know what's next. This was, we see this in the book of Acts all over the place. They're like, I don't know where I'm going next. Paul's like, hey, listen, I'm just doing this day by day, and, and I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. So there's no one anyone else knows what's next. There, there is some mystery to this, and we have to be not just okay with it, we have to lean into that and say, I, listen, there should be some mystery in the Spirit's work in my life, and, and there should be an unpredictableness to say, I don't know why God's doing this in my life, but I, I feel like this is supposed to happen, or we're supposed to do this, or we're supposed to go there. All right, it, it might be that you're in tune with the Spirit if that's happening. So, What's the Holy Spirit's role in my life? Let's talk about this. There's six things that I want to talk about specifically, and then we'll talk about, like, how do I recognize him? Here's what we can say. The Holy Spirit, his role in your life, the Holy Spirit empowers believers. He empowers you and me to live out a life of following Jesus. Everything that Jesus talks about, all the promises he makes, are carried out in and through the Holy Spirit. This is, it's, he's the one who's left behind for, for us to experience and to do it. Like when God is moving in your life, it's the Holy Spirit. And his work in you is to empower you to live a life following Jesus, of faithfulness. Here's what we can, we'll go through these fairly quickly. We don't have near enough time to look at all of these scriptures, but, but like it is important for you to just to see like this is what he, he does in your life, in my life, in our lives. The first thing, he dwells inside and he fills believers. First Corinthians, Paul talks about how, uh, how we are the God's temple and, and the Holy Spirit literally dwells inside of us. You become a Christian. You choose to follow Jesus. One of the things that happens is that the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you. Somehow, somewhere. His Spirit next to your Spirit. God's Spirit in you. This is why God is always with you, is always around you. He's everywhere, and He's even somehow in here. And Paul talks about in Ephesians that, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can debate over what that means or how you do it, but what we can't debate is that it doesn't happen. We, we, we should experience a fullness and a filling of the Spirit. It shouldn't be unknown or, I don't really, uh, I, 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 this is too, it's too weird, it's too messy, it's too unpredictable. If the Spirit moves, it looks too much like these negative experiences I've had, and so I want to just avoid it. No, 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 don't do that. We are to be filled by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about how he empowers believers to holiness and faithfulness. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he allows you to live out a life of holiness. And when you aren't living that out, you know what comes? Conviction. Is the Holy Spirit's role to convict us that we aren't living how we should be. There are things that we, that we need to allow God to change in our lives. This is the Holy Spirit's role in, in you. At Romans chapter 8, a couple weeks ago, that was your homework. I don't know if you read it. If you didn't, do it this week. 
Number three, he guarantees our salvation and future inheritance. In Ephesians chapter one, um, Paul talks about how, how that we, uh, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That he's a seal and he's a guarantee, a deposit of our future inheritance. There's a, there's a, a sense in which if you, get, if you have the Holy Spirit, he's saying that is your, that's your, your proof that you're a part of the family of God. He's the deposit. He's the guarantee that you're in and you're get Like all the future blessing that's coming, you're going to get it. And the way you know is if you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role, number four, is to teach and remind us of God's word. John 14, uh, Jesus talks about, he says, when the, Holy, when the Spirit comes, he will, he will teach you in all things. And he says, he will remind you of everything I told you. The Holy Spirit's role is to teach us and to remind us, to teach us when we open the scriptures. This is why this thing is living and active and it's not just like words on a page because when you read this and you're reading it, God, I want you to change me, speak to me. The Holy Spirit actually moves and interacts in your life as you're reading. And he opens your mind to the scriptures and he can, he can point things out that, that didn't seem to be pointed out before or he can point things out for you that are different than someone else even though you're reading the same thing because he is moving and he's teaching you. And he's, he's specifically, he's teaching me. That's part of his role. We see uh, in Romans chapter eight, number five, that the Holy Spirit actually prays for us and he intercedes on our behalf. He says that in our weakness that he intercedes on our behalf with groanings and he says too deep for words. And we can debate over what that is, if that's tongues or if that's just some the the, the spirit speaking in, in a language that we don't that can't speak or can't hear, that it's not an actual language. But we can debate over that, but what we can't debate over is that well he does it. Whatever it is, he does that. Part of his role is to intercede in our weakness. When we are weak, he actually intercedes on your behalf. That's incredible. And then we see number six, and this isn't exhaustive by any means. These are just like six main things that I think if we focus, if we understand and experience, it could change us, change our lives. In 1 Corinthians and in other passages, we see that the Holy Spirit, one of his primary roles is to give spiritual gifts to believers. This is often an area neglected. Um, and, and, and if it is, like for you, we gotta fix it. We gotta remedy that somehow. Because the Holy Spirit, what he does is he gives out spiritual gifts, not all the gifts to all people, but various gifts to different people. But we all, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're born again, you get spiritual gifts from him. Ooh. Paul lists these out. We could do a whole study. I'm sure at some point we're gonna just like lean heavy into like talking about all the spiritual gifts. But we have to recognize part of his role is gifting us with these spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit throughout scripture is described as God and does what only God can do. And he moves in my life, in your life, and all of our lives. So how do I hear from him? All right, that's great, right? We, we got some theology. I, I, I see there's three camps and there's various spots like along the line and I have no idea where I am. Fine, that's great, all right. Okay, here's, what, here's the stuff he does. Here's, here's how he moves in, in our lives. Here's what he does in my life. Okay, great, but how do I listen? How do I hear him? 
Here it is, ready? To recognize the voice of the Spirit, I need to learn the process of what I like to call listening and confirming. You gotta, you gotta experience and understand and learn this process. This isn't like a, I got it, right? This isn't like Matrix where, you know, like he plugs in, he's like, oh, I, like I learned by just plugging into my head. I know Kung Fu. It's not that. <laughs> that you just know things. But you experience, over time, you learn this process and you learn what this looks like, what this feels like. Uh, I'm gonna give you a warning and, and I, ooh, yeah. I wanna be careful because uh, I, know, uh, I know I step on toes and sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally and, uh, and either way, like, I'm okay with it. Can I tell you this? And this is true of my experience. It's probably true of your experience. And maybe you don't even want to admit or acknowledge this. And I'm giving you permission to say this. Not everyone who says, God told me, did God actually tell them. Okay? Um, Is it okay to say that? That there are people who say, like, God told me, and then it doesn't matter what it is. And it's almost like it's immune to criticism because God told me. It is okay for you to say, how did he tell you? Are you sure that was him? Are you sure that's not just you using God to get what you want? God told me you're going to do this. Especially if it's like, God, God told me what you should do. At that moment, listen, anytime that happens, you should say, hold on. He didn't tell me. <laughs> if he told you what, what to tell me, he hasn't told that to me yet, right? And some of you have maybe experienced this. God, I, I, I know people, and I, it's, it's almost funny stories, but it's like, oh, man, it just, it just adds to this confusion of this whole topic. Uh, God told me we're going to have a son. Now, this isn't true, but I know people who say this. God told me we're going to have a son. Oh, okay, that's so cool. Ah, are you sure about that, man? You're 50% chance you're wrong. <laughs> and then months go by, and then their baby's born. I'm like, oh, what'd you have? Oh, we had a beautiful baby girl. Oh, but God told you, did he? God told me, uh, God told me, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna take this job. This, this is what I'm at the next job. God told me, and then it falls through. But God told you, did he? Was God wrong in these situations? Right? We just blame God. Well, he just didn't know. He didn't know everything about what was going on. God told me, this is great, and I, I've heard these, I know of these. I never said this. Um, God told me, I'm going to marry you. That line has been spoken far too many times, Right? And then the other person is like, well, that's funny. He didn't tell me. And what's your name? <laughs> oh, man. Anytime someone tells you, God told me he wants you to, you should stop and say, hold on, wait a minute here. I, I don't, don't just accept this just because. Be discerning. All right, is God really saying this thing? So here's how you know. 
right? Here's this process. Number one, you got to be speaking to him. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit? You got to be praying to him. It isn't just like I'm just waiting around for him to come. I'm just living my life. You know, if God wants to do anything, he will. Hold on now. There, 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 is, some, uh, there is some action on your part. If, if you're married or, or even just in a have relationship with like close friends or family members or people you're like part of your inner circle, like, like try telling them like, hey, I'm not gonna interact with you until you first interact with me. Okay, right? I, I guess we're just gonna be quiet. <laughs> There's a level in which you say, all right, I'm gonna be speaking to you, Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus tells a story of, uh, in, uh, in Luke, um, Luke uh, 18, I believe, where he says the, this persistent widow, like, like she kept knocking. She kept knocking. She, wouldn't, she literally wouldn't go away. And in this situation, like, like God is this judge that she's trying to get justice from. And, and because, of her, she says, because of her persistence, this judge gave her what she wanted. And Jesus says, you need to be like that, praying and being persistent. And just simply out of persistence will God say, all right, man, this person's serious about this thing. You need to be praying to the Holy Spirit. Number two, you need to read what he wrote. There is a level in which we say like, okay, I know, I know, I know this. I know, all right, fine, that's about, God, tell me something new. Hold on now. He literally wrote down what he wants you to know. And there are times where he moves in your life in very specific situations where it's like, okay, in this instance, this is what God wants me to do. But listen, the norm is not you wake up, you disregard the scripture, and then you just wait to hear from the Lord some, some magic gene he's going to come into your life. And, tell, and that's not how this works. There are so many times and, and countless times where, where, where I have felt like God is saying something and then I read it in scripture and it's like, oh my gosh. Like, God, you're speaking to me through this. Both are happening at the same time. Here's the third. Now, listen for what uh, we often refer to as promptings. Listen for promptings. And this is the experiential part where it comes over time. As you do this more, you listen for what you, what you feel like in your spirit, God, and you say this, ready? I, it feels like God might be dot, dot, dot. Because do you know? Do you know for sure you're gonna have a boy or you're gonna marry this person? Or that God wants you to... The, the, there's a, a passage in Acts where uh, the apostles are doing this. They're having a council in Jerusalem to talk about should we, how, like we're gonna include the Gentiles, but like what stipulations should we put on them? What, what do they have to do to be a part of the church? And they go through these debates and, and Paul's there and Barnabas. I mean, this is like, like all the big wig, like all the names of like the early church, they're all there having it out. And in the end, James, who's the pastor, the leader of the Jerusalem church, he gets up and he says, all right, I've just heard from Paul. I've just heard from all these people. And his conclusion is this. This is how he phrases it. It's so good. And this, this is how you should be phrasing how you experience this. He says this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. He doesn't even speak in definitive language. God, thus saith the Lord. He says, it seems like God, the Holy Spirit, it's, that what we're talking about, it seems like it's good for him and so it's good for us. In James, he says, don't say you're gonna do this or that tomorrow or, or this is where we'll go here, or we'll go there. He says, if it's God's will, 
we will go here or there or do this or that. Our language needs to be, it seems like God is saying this, and I, I don't know for sure, but it seems like if it's his will that this should be happening. What, do you, what, are, you guys, what are you sensing? Do you see the difference between God told me and, and somehow it's like I'm the authority? Like, listen, I'm gonna step on my own people's toes. Pastors say this all the time. It drives me nuts. It, it honestly, like, and again, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe you're getting too much of an insight to me. Um, I say this to other pastors. I'm like, I just, it just, it just, it just makes me, oh, I, I've seen so much fallout from that kind of talk from the pulpit. Uh, what we often refer to as spiritual abuse. God told me, you need to do this. And the pastor is immune, right? Well, God told him. God called him. Whatever he says has to happen. Now, at New Hope, that is true. <laughs> but at other churches, <laughs> there's a sense in which you get this idea that like whatever, like God told me, God, God told me we're supposed to raise $100 million and buy, you know, uh, South Bend. We're gonna do it. God told me. Whoa. How, how much did he tell you that I'm supposed to pay, right? God told me, you need to repent and you need to go do this. And if you do that, you can stay at this church. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That happens all the time. God told me. No, it seems. This is, how I, this is the language I use. It seems like God is saying this. It seems like the Holy Spirit wants this. What do you guys think? And then here's what you do. You look for confirmation. Did it come to pass? Uh, a quick story, um, and then we're going to uh, have a, t a time of communion. A uh, number of a uh, while ago, I was going through a, a difficult season. This is just, I share this not as like a hero story, because it's not at all, but just simply an example of, of like how the, I think how the Holy Spirit moves and how you can learn to recognize him. And this happens over time and through experience and, and honestly, sometimes trial and error where you're like, okay, that, I, I, I recognize that now. Few, uh, this has happened a number of times in my life, but uh, a no, few years ago, going through a really difficult uh, season, frustrated with decisions and directions. And I remember one day driving home and praying, like, I'm praying hard. I mean, I'm praying like, God, you got to do something. You got to do this. You got to, this has got to change. I, what do you want me? I, I feel I should step in this situation. And I got this sense, this sense where he said two words, Brandon, I want you to trust and obey. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's not how I'm wired, trust and obey. I'm like, no, 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 action, get it done. Wait, let's just fix this thing. No, 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 just trust and obey. Don't do anything. And I'm like, oh, that can't be right, can't be. I, God, I know, you, I know there's a hymn about that, but that can't be right. So I remember, I remember the next, literally the, the next day being uh, in a parking lot close to my home and being in a, on a phone call with someone who's involved in the situation close to it. And, and they don't know anything about, you know, what God is, how move, he's moving in my life, what he's saying. And this person on the phone gets to a point where they say, listen, Brandon, I think you just got to trust and obey this, in this. And I'm like, I literally paused and I stopped and I'm like, okay, 
Like, this person has no idea they said this. Even today, they probably have no idea that they said those two words. In that moment, I'm like, okay, God, this is like, this, that, that's, that's too coincidental for it to be just chance. Clearly, Lord, I think you're telling me to trust him. And it changed how I interacted in that situation. It changed, and I, and I, and I, I was literally like, God, I feel like God's, God said two words to me, and I'm um, all right, all right, trust and obey. So when, listen, when you're trying to look, listen for promptings, what is, what is the Holy Spirit maybe saying in your life? And, and how is he confirming that? And maybe you read something, and there's been a number of times I read like almost word for word what I'm, what I'm sensing, and I read it in scripture, and I'm like, Lord, I think, ooh, I think you just spoke to me. And for you, it may be people in your life that are saying something that, that you are sensing, but you never told anyone, and it's sort of just for you. It's not something you go on the mountaintop, God told me to trust and obey, and he's, you know, like, yeah, we, we sing it. Yeah, he told me, me too. No, like, no, no, just, just for me. I'm supposed to know that. All right, I need to trust and obey in this moment. Whatever this is. And here's, here's how, one way you can learn to recognize this. It's probably not the thing you want to do. What God tells you is probably not like, well, this is what I want to do. I just need some real authority behind it. So you know what? I think, is that right? Yep, God just told me we should all do the thing I want you all to do. It, it Usually when God speaks, it's, hey, you're going this direction, you need a little course correction here. And, and it's that correction where you say, I think that was God. I think it was him as a, as a loving father in that moment. So I need to learn to recognize the Holy Spirit by learning this process of listening and confirming. So we're gonna do this. We're gonna have a time of, of worship and, and communion uh, we'll, we'll take this all together after at the end of the song, but you can at least pull it out. And, and I want you to do this. While we sing, while we worship, I want you to be praying right now, literally, where you are, just quietly, Holy Spirit, I need more of you in my life. That is true of everyone, wherever you are. Like there's never a part where you say, I've got enough of you. In fact, God, I've got too much. If you could give some of that to other people. You and I, we, we are always in a state where we could use more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, let's, would you do this? Would you stand with me? And then, um, will you be praying, Holy Spirit, I need more of you in my life.